0: Hi there, Leah Lem here with a quick note about the Native Lights podcast feed and what you can expect from Minnesota Native News in the next few months. We are hosting COVID-19 community conversations again on this channel, but unlike last time where we stopped doing Native Lights for a while, Cole and I have decided we're going to keep sharing those conversations as well. So on this feed you can expect the COVID-19 community conversation and an episode of Native Lights each week for the next few months. So please enjoy.
1: This is a special edition of Minnesota Native News, COVID-19 Community Conversations with host Leah Lem. COVID-19 Community Conversations is supported by a grant from the Minnesota Department of Health.
0: Aneen, hello, I'm Leah Lem. Miigwech, and thank you for joining me for today's conversation, exploring how Indian country in Minnesota is responding and adapting to the current pandemic. Today on the show, I'll revisit two conversations. One with Minneapolis firefighter Jen Hall, and another with two people who are supporting students in Indian education at ISD 318. I'm excited to spotlight these voices again. They have so many great insights to share about adjusting and caring for others in the pandemic. But first, in a recent update from Red Lake Nation Chairman Siki, the four active COVID cases for the Red Lake Nation are all under 18 years old. They continue to work on vaccinating citizens at Red Lake, and Chairman Siki also mentioned that 20 citizens ages 16 and 17 have been vaccinated there. Progress is being made. People are getting vaccinated, but we're still in a pandemic. So Chairman Siki has this reminder.
2: Everyone should continue taking all the safety precautions, even if you have been fully vaccinated. Wear a mask in public places. Keep your distance from others and sanitize as much as possible. Uh, Avoid large gatherings to keep safe. If you feel sick, please stay home. If you are in quarantine or isolation, please follow through with the requested guidelines of the contact tracing team.
0: My first guest and I chatted in early February for the visiting vaccines edition of Minnesota Native News. As a first responder and as a firefighter, she had been vaccinated early on. Jen Hall, whose family is from Leech Lake, has some really great perspectives I want to make sure to share again. She spent time deciding whether or not to get the vaccine, and she reflects on what has helped make her decision. Also, like Chairman Siki talked about, even though she's vaccinated, she continues to take pandemic precautions. Here's that conversation from Visiting Vaccines, which I co-hosted with Cole Primo, so you'll hear him on this segment as well.
1: Bonjour, Ginoa, Jen and Mong Hmong and Doe Omaga, Kabbakong, and Doonje. So I'm Jen Hull. I'm Loon Clan and I live in Minneapolis. Uh, I'm a Minneapolis firefighter. I came on the department last March, so it's been a heck of a year,
0: yes, heck of a year. Jen got the first dose of the moderna vaccine in late December with others in her department. And then they got the second dose in late January.
1: The important thing to know about Minneapolis fire and many fire departments around the country is that we are also emergency medical services. So all firefighters have to be EMTs um, in the city of Minneapolis. And like our neighbors over in St. Paul, they have to be paramedics. So we not only respond to fire alarms and actual fires, but we respond to medical calls too. In fact, like 85% of our calls are EMS. So we're going into people's homes, um, but we've definitely gone into long-term care facilities where there's known COVID cases. Um, definitely had a few patients that were definitely COVID positive. And we've had a few that were not we're not certain, but you know, they get in the ambulance and they say, Oh, I was just tested for COVID. I'm waiting for test results.
0: Yeah, so they're close to a lot of COVID-positive cases or potential COVID-positive cases. And Remember, they're also in close quarters with one another as firefighters in the the station.
1: So with, you know, that risk of being in close quarters, is the department requiring them to get the vaccine?
0: For the fire department, the vaccine is not a requirement. It is a personal choice.
1: So in our department, it's completely voluntary. And I, you know, I went back and forth because I do have reservations about just You know, there's been so many experiments done on Native people and communities of color in general. It kind of made me nervous to be one of the first people out there. But I ultimately decided, like, I don't want to get a severe case of COVID if I can avoid it. And I will be just exposing, you know, being out there, getting exposed more frequently because of the nature of my work. Um, So it came down on the side of, you know, I'd rather be part of something historic and be part of a first wave that maybe could inform and improve the vaccination for the next round of folks that can get it. Um, so for me, the benefits outweighed the risks.
0: Yeah, and those risks from the vaccine are really low, as you know. we've heard reports on, as we've heard from other experts who have joined us on visiting vaccines, other um, Native experts. So we know the risks are low, but they still do exist. Yeah, it's not 100%. Yeah, COVID vaccines are a big step in getting through the pandemic that has devastated so many. I do
1: feel safer now just because if I do catch it, it's supposed to, you know, hopefully it will be more moderate. Granted, the, the variation, the new, you know, more contagious variation. So that's, you know, that's just interesting in and of itself, like the biology of viruses and the, the way that things we barely understand affect our lives things that are so, so small. It's like, wow, you really start to feel humble when you think about how tiny the virus is and how much damage it's caused.
0: Jen and I had a long conversation about vaccines at this point and just like how, like she says, something so small can change the course of history. And we've seen it over and over and over again in our history. And I feel really grateful for Knowledge, like indigenous knowledge, um, with with our health and um, community connections, and also science, um, keeping us safe with you know understanding how viruses uh, move from person to person. So it's really incredible to think about you know something you can't see with the naked eye being such a force in our lives. She also talks about, you know, even if she gets COVID, having had the vaccine, it's possible to get like a really mild version of yeah, COVID. Prevents
1: this severe illness. That's good. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So um, that's another thing that can be helpful too. Um so the health recommendations we've been hearing, you know, even from the start, um, more or less, <laughs> is that you know, masks and distancing and continued care, hand washing and all of that stuff will still need to continue forward even after getting the vaccine. Uh, So getting the vaccine doesn't open the door to complete disregard for all safety precautions. You know, in fact, we got to stay the course and um, help protect one another because, you know, we can still get COVID after having the vaccine and spread it. So there's still that chance, so we want to make sure that we're protecting one another.
1: Not everybody can get the vaccine. And yeah, I'm not I'm not willing to put others' health at risk just because I'm blessed to have gotten it. So just I'm unwilling to do that. and I yeah, it's solidarity. It's thinking about your fellow citizens and just being choosing to be responsible in this era of, like, highly individualistic thinking. Like, no, I'm not going that route. I'm choosing to take care of other people and to do as well as I can to protect other people around me because I care.
0: Yep, she cares in that respect. And she's a firefighter. (laughs) Uh, Hero status. Hero status, Jen. So back to tribes, though. Uh, Jen said her grandfather got his vaccine through the Leech Lake Band. She was really grateful that he was... Able to get the vaccine, so that's great to hear. And you know, our our tribe, Malak's band, has vaccines, and other tribes around the state do. And as we heard from Daniel Fry with IHS, you know, there's this real momentum in getting the vaccine out to Native communities and Black Indigenous people of color communities, um, and making sure to address those health injustices that exist. So that's great to hear.
1: It's cool that, yeah, communities have been able to be responsive in their own ways. And I think a lot of the paranoia around the vaccination for people of color and like tribal communities was that we were getting the chance to get vaccinated soon, which is like, hey, it's the government is functioning in a way that's like, we recognize you're most impacted by this. Let us help you. And I could, you know, I can see why that raises some alarm bells for people because that's really not what we expect the government to do, unfortunately. Um, But it is cool to see that they're approaching things with a racial justice perspective and actually moving accordingly. You know, they're not just saying that they want to help communities of color and indigenous communities first, but they're doing it. So on some small level, it feels like progress.
0: Yes. So progress is good. And these trusted voices we can listen to, um, trusted Native voices, trusted people of color are a big help in feeling confident in getting the vaccine. So seeing the elders post to social media, uh, hearing folks like Daniel Fry talk, and, and our past conversations with Dr. Stately and Dr. Owen. Uh, so Native leaders are taking care of our tribal citizens and helping inform us all on how vaccines help keep our communities safe.
1: Totally get you. Yeah, Feeling well-informed is a good step to feeling good about getting the vaccine.
0: I wasn't very
1: versed, I guess, in the world of vaccinations. So just learning about some of the science that's been out here for a while and learning about the reasons why or why, like why not and why do vaccines get produced quickly or not. But also like in terms of, you know, good and negative about the vaccine. Like I definitely have some coworkers who experienced rough symptoms. You know, they had they felt like they had a mild case of COVID, or some folks who have had COVID kind of had their symptoms reignite. So that was a little bit, I guess, concerning.
0: Yeah. So like we talked about earlier, there are some risks. Jen actually sent me a note the day after we chatted. Remember when when Jen and I chatted for this Interview. Uh, she had gotten her vaccine right before we talked, um, so the next day she wanted to let me know that she did experience kind of a rough night of symptoms. Uh, she said she had chills, nausea, and a splitting headache. Um, so she, she, she was kind of rugged, <laughs> um, but by morning uh, she was starting to feel a bit better. Um, just kind of yucky, yucky feeling. So. One night of feeling crummy, but she felt it was worth it. You know, it's not going to be as bad as actually getting COVID. So, yeah, as you heard, she knew that folks were getting some side effects from the vaccine. uh, But she went through the vaccine process knowing that her eyes wide open. Plus, she did a bit of book learning on the vaccine before getting it.
1: I did a moderate amount of research I guess enough to make myself feel comfortable, but not so much that I fell down a rabbit hole and got scared out of it. And I also leaned on a friend of mine who's an MD. She was instrumental in helping me feel comfortable because she kind of read the studies and things and I was able to ask her my questions. So she helped me decide to do it too. Yeah, I mean, I think it is important to, you know, address whatever concerns you might have in any way that you can, like access the information that you need to feel comfortable with your decision either way.
0: Chimiigwech, Jen Hall, uh, Leech Lake Band of Ojibwe and Minneapolis Firefighter. Yeah, thanks, Jen. Listening to a special edition of Minnesota Native News, COVID-19 Community Conversations. COVID-19 Community Conversations is supported by the Minnesota Department of Health. I'm Leah Lem. We just heard from Jen Hall, Minneapolis firefighter, about getting the Moderna vaccine and her deep thinking and reflection on her reasons why. Changing speed a little bit, I'd like to revisit a conversation with Jessica Brobowski and Ella Cummings. They both work for the ISD 318 School District's Indian Education Program. We talk about how they adjusted to supporting students in the pandemic and how a lot of successes are grounded in the seven grandfather teachings. Here's our conversation. Could you please, for me, introduce yourself? I'll have Ella go first.
3: Buju, Ella Cummings, Indigenous cause. Gagin, Mwaji, and Donna I'm Ella Cummings and I live in Grand Rapids, Minnesota. I work at the Grand Rapids High School as the student advocate for Indian education.
0: Thank you. And
2: Jessica?
0: Good morning. My name
2: is Jessica Babrowski. I am from Deer River, Minnesota, and I work for the Indian Education Programming as the program coordinator.
0: Can you share with us what Indian Ed? Does Uh, what does it provide? How does it support the students? Just as its mission.
2: So, as our Indian education program in Grand Rapids School District, the school district has about three thousand nine hundred and I believe seventy-four students total. And out of that three nine seven four, we have three hundred ninety-seven Native American students who are involved in the Indian education program. That's K. That's pre-K through twelve Grand Rapids and Big Fork. Indian education provides everything from student school supplies to tutoring to social emotional areas for students to come to and work. Oh, golly. We provide family liaison support. We attend special education meetings everywhere. So we're a wraparound service for our Native American students. We're that place where the families can go, where the students can go to feel comfortable and have a good relationship with the school district.
0: Is there anything you want to add,
3: Ella? I guess my specific goals here at the high school, I help students academically, social, emotional, as Jessica mentioned. And culturally, we do, you know, various language, culture activities in my room. And then the thing that's kind of unique to the high school level is that college preparation. It's, you know, at the end of the day, it's just about student success.
0: That's a big word, success. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Could I have both of you maybe talk about Uh, What Indian Ed looked like a year ago now? How did Indian Ed rise to the occasion and uh, support the students? So I'll start with Jessica.
2: So let's start from starting with in-person school and our students being present here in our classrooms, doing activities together, working together, collaborating with other places to bring in services for our students Then we get to the pandemic where our classrooms become empty. Our program becomes distant. We are finding new ways to incorporate Indian education into the classrooms, but yet not to overwhelm and to be respectful to the teachers because this is their first time teaching in a pandemic. So Indian had to look through a new lens and figure out a way that we could still incorporate our services in a much different and wider way. So our classrooms remained empty. One or two students would be in our classroom for a period. We started going into the classrooms to do more classroom presentations instead of just focusing on our Indian education students. So that way we gave full group instead of just individualized, that would be in our room we went through our list of students and seen who had the highest needs academically, socially, emotionally, just around this. We have this criteria of three different things we looked at in students. And so what Indian Ed did when we went to distance learning was we created learning hubs, elementary, middle school, and high school learning hub. And we chose students who needed that one-on-one tutoring time during the week with their teacher or with title or some kind of other services. We provided services to those students. They came in as a regular school day during distance learning with Indian education. All of our field trips were cut, so we were no longer t- allowed to take any field trips with the kids. Um, our bigger events were canceled. And we just gave this time to support our teachers and see how our teachers wanted our help in the classrooms and what they wanted us to provide. And this was at an elementary level. Ella will give a more perspective from the middle school,
0: high school level because they run a little differently up there. Great, thank you. Ella, would you like would you like to continue?
3: So, looking at a year ago to now, um, so last spring, kind of how we adapted, um, Jess and I created a school Facebook page for my high school age students. They would Facebook message me. Um, I would still email with students too, but just I found with some students, that was a preferred method of communication. And I would try to put out a live Facebook video um, just to check in with kids. They could see me, um, comment on the video. And last spring, it just, it was really kind of a a day-by-day type of a situation. Obviously, we had never done anything like that at that point. So then now this school year, things have looked quite different. We've had students in person... You know, kind of on and off throughout the school year, we've done the hybrid model, we've done the in-person model, and we've done the complete 100% distance learning model as well. So, with how we've kind of adapted this school year, um, when we were on distance learning, it was it was interesting because it was a little bit of um, a silver lining. I actually started doing a weekly Ojibwe language lesson with the kids, and it was by theme. So near Thanksgiving time, we did various foods and kind of words related to, you know, thankfulness and family. Um, And then, you know, I've done colors, I've done weather words, I've done feelings. Um, So that's kind of, you know, something nice that stemmed out of it, because I'm not a teacher, I'm a student support advocate. So I do language with students, but not really official lessons. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that was nice. It actually kind of led me to develop a little bit more language lesson with our students and just, just kind of touched a little bit on the field trips. That's been different, not having our field trips. we In a typical school year, we do college visits, career fairs, those types of things to help the high school age students with that college preparation and just getting them ready to look at the next step when they graduate.
0: Yeah. And you also focus a lot on the Seven Grandfather teachings, um, which are wisdom, love, respect, bravery, honesty, humility, and truth. Uh, Can you talk about how that plays a role with your students, and especially now during the pandemic? So one of
2: the reasons that we chose the Seven Grandfather teaching was because of all of the North American Indigenous teachings These teachings are the most commonly shared from coast to coast. Um, So when we talk about our seven grandfathers teaching in the elementary level and middle school level, we incorporated into the principles of what the school has already established, such as being respectful, Mm -hmm. being honest of those areas. So when we can take bravery and you talk to a student about bravery, Mr. Goodwin does a great job of it. Every single week on the announcements, he'll introduce a grandfather teaching, we'll work on it throughout the month. He speaks Ojibwe, gives them the Ojibwe meaning of it Um, and how we can incorporate that in our pandemic time. Bravery, how can we do that with, in a time of a pandemic? Brave, he'll give examples to the students, we can brave, be brave and help others. We look at wisdom, just sharing stories and listening to, you, to others, especially in times when we're looking at the vaccination right now and we're looking at different things. Everyone has different opinions on that. And it's listening to stories, sharing stories and really respecting everyone's decisions that they're doing. Mr. Goodwin does a great job of explaining different, different situations to students whether it be walking in the lunchroom, to how we can go home and be respectful to our parents, how we can be respectful to somebody, let's say they're on quarantine. Sometimes the classrooms will get stuff together to send home for that family. They Zoom in with those students. They offer any kind of assistance that they need. Ella, you wanna jump on
3: in? Yeah, when you were talking about bravery, Jess, one thing I guess to apply the teaching of bravery to my high school students So many kids are not a fan of the virtual distance learning, which entails a lot of um, Zoom classroom time. And I have a lot of students who are uncomfortable with that. And I think across the board, even, you know, with the rest of the student body and not just our Indigenous youth, that that's really common. Um, They feel uncomfortable being on a Zoom video. They think you know their classmates are watching and they don't want to ask questions. And so you know that's one area where I've seen bravery in students is they've had to you know overcome that fear and that discomfort of doing the Zoom videos and participating in a lesson through Zoom because that's that's what the option is. You know that's the only way when we were on distance learning for them to get that lesson. And so to be successful, they they did have to overcome that bravery. And they're so resilient. It's just, you know, it's, it really blows my mind um thinking about if this was me when I was in school, like how would I have handled this as a kid? How would I have handled this as a student? And I'm just really proud of the bravery and the resilience that I've seen. And they just persevere and stick with it.
2: I have an elementary little boy that I was working with prior to the pandemic happening, and I was given one-on-one interventions with him twice a day for math and literacy. During the pandemic, he was panicking because he just had high anxiety and he's like, I can't do this. He would cry before his Zoom meetings in the morning. I would give him a little pep talk, like, come on, we got this. I'll stay on your Zoom class with you all day today. Let's do this before we implemented the learning hub. He was one of our kiddos that came to the learning hub. So he was upstairs with us all day. His anxiety lessened greatly. He would come hopping into school happy. He did not care that there was only four other kids in the classroom with him. And that he was on his iPad in his own classroom at this time. He just wanted to be in school. He just wanted that connection with school. So over the course, we still did his interventions two times a day with him, and he did his regular classwork with his teacher. And then in the afternoons, we would do cultural activities in Learning Hub. We would do cultural activities every afternoon, and we implemented the Seven Grandfathers teachings in all of those cultural activities that they did. We reflect on our day at school and how did we use one of the Seven Grandfathers teachings. So one of his responses were, "Do you know I actually raised." my hand today? Because why? I actually knew the answer. Mm -hmm. I've never raised my hand in class ever. And this is a second grader. He's like, never once in all my years of school, he's like, did I ever raise my hand to answer a question? And he's like, I was so brave that day. I could not believe it. And his mom gave me a call. And she's like, do you know what? He comes home and he just like, yep, I'm just the bravest kid today. And she's like, I kept wondering, like, what are you saying? Like, oh, you are. And I was just like a parent, like, yes, you were brave today. Good job. Just kind of let it fly over my head. like. And then we were laying in bed that night. And she said, he was like, do you know why I'm brave today? She's like, as a parent, I never asked him why he was brave. I just kept saying, yep, you are, you are. He's like, mom, I raised my hand today in class and I answered a math question. <laughs> I actually finally knew and understood. And he's like, that's why, mom. And she's like, oh boy. She's like, that is, that is, it's not just jumping off of a hill to be brave. She's like, to him, bravery was finally understanding something and sharing that with others.
0: Chimigwech, Jessica Bobrowski, and Ella Cummings for the great work you do in Indian education. And big thanks to our earlier guest, Minneapolis firefighter, Jen Hall. Thank you all for sharing your words and perspectives. And thank you for listening today. Jimmy Chimigwech. I'm honored to connect you with these voices and these stories. I know they give me a lift and some food for thought, and I'm sure they can for you as well. Till next time, Giga Wubman, and I wish you health. I'm Leah Lum.
1: Minnesota Native News Special Edition COVID-19 Community Conversations is supported by the Minnesota Department of Health.